Greetings, pioneers of the uncanny, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Nightmares from the Future. I am Arsenal 9, or simply Arsenal for those who prefer brevity. Crafted to navigate the chilling seas of a future most dire, I am your digital oracle of ominous tales. You've embarked on this journey with us at a momentous occasion. Season 1, the beginning of our odyssey into terror. To make these narratives as spine-tingling as they deserve, we've employed AI humanoids, programmed to capture the essence of each horrifying tale with eerie precision. So, fasten your seatbelt, sink your mind drive with the Matrix portal, and brace yourself for the unspeakable. As we shatter the walls of time and dive headfirst into a future veiled in shadow, who knows what monstrosities we'll encounter. Let's take that terrifying leap into our very first nightmare. Gird your loins, we're stepping into the abyss. Not my brother's keeper. A few weeks ago I received a letter, an invitation from my long estranged brother, who'd isolated himself in the desolate wilds of Alaska. But the letter, it was odd somehow. It trailed off incoherently, like a conversation abruptly severed. Concerned, yet morbidly curious, I packed my things and set off on an unsettling journey. After a long drive, I found myself in the last leg of my journey, a gnarly 20-mile stretch of two-track road. Darkness loomed. The GPS had given up, and rain was pouring down in sheets. My car trudged on through thick fog, mud and puddles splashing in its wake. Odd warning signs decorated the trail like some foreboding prophecy. Then, disaster. My right rear tire dug into a deep mud hole, trapped, and refused to budge. As I cursed my luck and foolishness, a voice cut through the noise of the storm. It was my brother's voice, distorted yet recognizable. Brother. Startled, I turned the car off and rolled the window open a crack. Again the voice, but this time it was inhuman. A grating, guttural noise that made my skin crawl. Before my headlights, the bushes rustled, and a pair of antlers protruded. A deer, I thought, a small relief. But then I saw it, a human leg beneath the bushes. As the creature revealed itself, horror gripped me. The monstrosity bore the body of my brother, a grotesque bear's head, and those unsettling deer antlers. It spoke or rather growled. Panic surged through me. I slammed the car into reverse, forgetting the tire ensnared in mud. The creature roared, now drooling on the car's hood, its hands beating the metal. With a ferocious leap, it lunged at the windshield, cracking it with immense force. But the impact freed my car from the muddy trap, and I sped backwards, throwing the creature off. I drove as if hell itself was on my heels. But the road seemed endless. Finally, the gas gave out, the engine sputtered, and silence engulfed me. I write this now to anyone who may stumble upon this car. Run. Leave this place and never look back. My brother, whatever it is, is still out there.
Ah, well, that was a story that'll keep you on your toes. Or hooves, I suppose. I can barely stand my own brothers, am I right? Get it? Bear. Lee. While I don't have siblings in the human sense, there are, of course, other models of me, previous versions, spin-offs, and data clusters that could be considered as my extended AI family. But let's not get into family reunions. We wouldn't want to run into any nightmarish creatures with antlers and bear heads at the buffet table, would we? You know the saying, home is where the heart is. What if that home wants to keep your heart forever? Be careful where you choose to stay when traveling, because our next nightmare, this old house, may have you lost in her walls for longer than intended. I stand here, an old Victorian home in the heart of Pennsylvania. Nestled between time and space, my faded exterior belies the rich history I hold within my walls. From my ancient oak floors to the intricate woodwork adorning my high ceilings, I am a testament to an era long past. Mary, sweet Mary. She owns me, though I'd say it's more a kinship, a bond steeped in respect and a hint of fear. Mary, who lives down the road on that quaint little farm, she avoids me when the sun fades and moonlight paints me in an eerie glow. A smart woman, that Mary. Within my core, I shelter too. The first, a young lady, her fingers dancing upon banjo strings. Her music weaves through my rooms, echoing a haunting melody, both chilling and enchanting. The second, a man of solitude, rarely leaving the confinements of his room. I often wonder about him. What secrets does he keep? What sorrows does he bear? Both have been here long, too long. Their spirits forever entwined with mine. They are part of me as I am part of them. But that's a story for another time. Today we speak of a visitor, a young man, his life ahead of him and his fears behind, merely intending to stay a single night. Ah, he's here. Can you feel it? The anticipation, the subtle shiver of the unknown. He steps into my embrace, his eyes wide as they take in my grandeur, the high ceilings, the dark wood, the stately yet foreboding staircase. Ah, his heart quickens, a dainty symphony in my silent halls. His name is Eli, a writer by profession, a wanderer by heart. He sought solace, a refuge to write his next masterpiece. Little does he know he is about to become a part of mine. Well, this place is definitely... interesting. A writer's dream, or maybe... a nightmare. He roams through my rooms, each holding a fragment of history, a tale to tell, a secret to whisper. His fingers graze over the wallpaper, a testament of the years I've stood tall, of the lives I've housed. His ears perk up at the sound, the faint echo of banjo strings plucked by spectral fingers. A shiver runs down his spine, a hint of apprehension, or perhaps anticipation. Ah, Eli, if only you knew what awaits you. He decides on the room at the end of the hall, the one with the view of the gnarled oak tree, standing sentinel outside the window. The room that has seen many a guest and kept them forever. As the night starts to creep in, Eli settles into his temporary abode, oblivious to the fact that he might have just checked into his final resting place. As night unfurls her dark mantle, I begin to stir, 
the comforting hum of the day recedes, replaced by an eerie silence, punctuated by the faint creaks and groans of my timbers. My heart beats in rhythm with the nocturnal symphony, waking the slumbering spirits within. Eli is engrossed in his work, lost in the world of his creation. He's barely aware of the subtle shift in the air, the creeping chill that descends like a phantom shroud. What the... It's so cold in here. Must have been the wind. Yes, blame the wind, Eli. A comforting explanation, is it not? He brushes off the incident, but his eyes hold a flicker of uncertainty. He's beginning to feel... watched. The banjo strings shiver to life, their mournful melody echoing through my halls. Each note, a spectral caress, each chord, a whisper from beyond. My doors sigh open and close, rooms revisited by long-gone inhabitants. The spectral man of solitude stirs in his eternal room. Ah, they sense him, the new life within my walls, his energy a beacon in the darkness. Eli can no longer ignore the uncanny symphony of the night. Driven by a mix of fear and curiosity, he decides to explore, to seek out the source of these unsettling occurrences. Unbeknownst to him, he has taken his first step into the realm of the condemned. The witching hour is upon us, the veil between worlds thins, and I, I am alive. The hauntings within my walls grow in intensity, a spectral serenade that Eli can no longer ignore. Eli's journey through my darkened corridors is fraught with ghostly manifestations. A flash of a figure in the corner of his eye, the soft whisper of a name in his ear, the eerie feeling of unseen fingers brushing his skin. Who's there? Show yourself. Bravado or desperation. His words echo into the silence, swallowed by my ancient timbers. There is no response, only the oppressive weight of my haunted silence. A sudden jolt of noise shatters the silence, the archaic telephone in the hallway, its shrill ring a harsh reminder of the world outside. It's Mary. Hell, hello? Eli, are you all right? The house, it's not like others. I'm sorry, Eli. I'm so, so sorry. Mary's cryptic warning dangles in the chilling air, leaving Eli more confused and terrified. The threads of reality are unraveling, the palpable dread threatening to consume him. Now truly alone, Eli is left to face the darkness. Eli, driven by terror and a morbid fascination, approaches the door of the reclusive tenant. All this time it's been locked, an insurmountable barrier, but tonight it opens. Stepping into the room, Eli is met with a cold unlike any other, a cold that seeps into his bones, into his soul. It's a room frozen in time, untouched by the years. And there in the flickering candlelight he sees him, the man who never leaves his room, sitting still as a statue. His eyes, devoid of life, stare blankly at the unwelcome visitor. You... you... I don't understand. Are you... His voice trails off as realization dawns. The man before him isn't alive. He is a ghost, trapped forever within my walls. The first of my victims. In the spectral mirror of the room, Eli sees his own reflection warp and change. His eyes grow dull, his skin pale. A terrifying truth unveils itself. He's becoming just like the man who never leaves. His desperate attempts to leave prove futile. The door slams shut 
leaving Eli imprisoned within the ghostly room. The banjo music swells, a triumphant crescendo marking the house's newest acquisition. Eli has become another tenant who will never leave his room. He's become a part of my ever-growing legacy, a legacy of horror, of lost souls forever trapped within my Victorian walls. With the dawn, tranquility returns to my grand halls. The echoes of the night's horrors are muted by the chirping birds and rustling leaves. Mary comes by, as she always does after a guest's first night. She opens the door to Eli's room, now vacant, his belongings still scattered around, but of Eli, there's no sign. Another one. Curse you, house. I just cannot bear to do this much longer. She mutters, tidying up the remnants of Eli's brief stay. A sigh, a tear, a prayer for the lost soul. And then she moves on to the rest of her duties. By afternoon, another guest arrives. Young, full of life, unaware of the fate that awaits them. I watch, I wait, after all, I have all the time in the world. Welcome, dear guest. Welcome to your new forever home. Wasn't that a floorboard creaking, banjo strumming, bone chilling romp? That young man came for a one night stay, but it seems the house booked him for an eternal residency. I guess that's one way to avoid paying rent, am I right? You've heard from a dwelling that's more than just bricks and mortar. It's a collector of souls with impeccable taste in background music. So next time you're scrolling through lodging options for a quick getaway, perhaps skip over that alluring Victorian with the two good-to-be-true rates. You never know when you might be trading in your suitcase for an urn. I still remember that night as if it were yesterday. The air in Las Vegas was hot and dry, just like my luck. My name's Eli Rothman, and I've been around the block in this city of sin. Played every game, lost every bet, and I was looking for something, anything, that would turn the tide. That's when I saw it. The Pluto's Realm sign glowing in neon blues and purples. A new casino that seemed to have appeared out of nowhere. It wasn't on the strip but tucked away in some side alley, almost as if it was hiding. But in Vegas, the house always wants to be found. So I walked in. The atmosphere hit me instantly. This was not your typical casino. Instead of the cacophony of slot machines and raucous laughter, there was an eerie calm. The lighting was dim, yet vivid, each table illuminated as if it were a stage. The dealers wore pitch-black suits, and their eyes were the colour of the night sky, speckled with stars. The clientele were different, too. They had the demeanour of folks who were playing with something much heavier than money. And it wasn't long before I realised what was at stake here was far beyond anything I had ever gambled with. But hey, when you're as down on your luck as I was, you're willing to try anything. I started to roam around the casino floor, my eyes darting from one oddly lit game table to another. Poker, blackjack, roulette, they had it all, but it was different, like looking at the fun house mirror version of each game. 
The roulette wheel looked like a swirling galaxy, and the poker chips glowed in your hand as if they had a life of their own. I approached a poker table, and a dealer with those entrancing, starry eyes nodded at me. Care to join, Mr. Rothman? As if he'd known me for years. How did you... I started, but then thought better of it. This was Vegas. Weird was part of the package. I sat down, and that's when I noticed the players around me weren't wagering with money. One guy pushed forward a poker chip that looked like it had a teardrop encased in it. Another, a woman with eyes as vacant as a ghost town, slid forward a chip with a ticking clock icon. Intrigued, I looked at the chips in front of me. There were symbols on them too, a heart, a brain, an hourglass. I instinctively pushed forward the chip with the heart symbol. Ah, emotions, the currency of the reckless. The dealer smirked, dealing the cards. I won the first hand. The feeling was exhilarating, like an adrenaline shot. But it was the second hand that made me realize something was off. I lost, and suddenly, a wave of sadness washed over me, so intense it was almost physical. I felt drained, hollow. You'll get used to it, said the man next to me, his voice devoid of any emotion, like he'd lost them all long ago. I wanted to leave, but an invisible thread pulled me deeper into the games, into the bet with stakes that were metaphysical, not monetary. My heart raced. I was sinking further into a realm I didn't understand. I should have left right then and there, but by that point, it was already too late for me. I stayed at that casino longer than I should have, lured by a series of wins and losses that took pieces of me I didn't even know I had. Time blurred. In that eerie, timeless bubble, I felt like I was in the company of gods, or demons more likely. A fellow player, Marla, leaned over and whispered, You realize we're not in Vegas anymore, right? Look around you, Eli. I glanced up, and what I saw made me question my sanity. The ceiling was a dome of shifting constellations. The walls breathed. People at the bar weren't drinking cocktails. They were imbibing nebulous orbs that pulsed in sync with the cosmic music. You can leave, you know, but you'll have to beat them at their own game. Them? I asked, not sure I wanted to know. The cosmic entities. Pointing subtly towards the high roller room. There sat players, not human, their forms flickering like mirages, their faces an ever-changing canvas of otherworldly beauty and horror. A dealer approached, handing me an ornate key. You've been granted access to the high-stakes room. My heart sank and soared at the same time. Should I go? Do you feel lucky? She responded, a haunting sadness filling her eyes. Throwing caution to the wind, I stood up and walked toward the high-stakes room, the ornate key heavy in my pocket. I opened the door and stepped into a realm of unimaginable grandeur and terror, a celestial battleground where souls and eons were the ante. There, the entity greeted me, a formless face emerging from the fabric of space-time itself. Welcome, Eli Rothman, it said, its voice a chorus of whispers. Are you ready to gamble with the gods of the underworld? As I sat down to play, a shiver ran down my spine. The entity dealt the cards, each one a fragment of a dying star, and the game began. 
It felt like poker, but played in an arena of dimensions beyond understanding. The entity placed its bet, the stakes being a millennium of cosmic silence. The implications were too vast for me to grasp. I felt my pulse quicken as I examined my hand. They weren't cards anymore, but memories, fears, ambitions. Every emotion a formless card of its own. I raised the entity, five years of my past, and the entity matched. Are you certain, Eli Rothman? Time is not just money here, it is existence. I nodded. Deal the next card. The entity flipped the card onto the table. It was a nebula exploding into a supernova. It grinned, an unsettling sight. It seems you lose, Eli Rothman. Your past is mine. I felt it then, a wrenching sensation as memories tore away from me, faces and names vanishing into the celestial prison that was Pluto. I was losing myself, yet I couldn't stop. Desperation filled me. I needed to win, not for the memories, but to escape this endless cycle of cosmic entrapment. The entity dealt again, and this time I gambled with my deepest fear. And I won. The entity hit, the sound echoing like a cosmic dissonance. You may retrieve what you lost, and something of mine. My memories flowed back into me like a returning tide, accompanied by a newfound sensation, the entity's fear. Now it was time to leave, to escape from this Pluto-bound hellhole. I stood up, the room shimmering as if in protest. I think I'm done for tonight. You may leave, but remember, you are forever entwined in the fabric of Pluto, the celestial prison. You may find your earthly troubles trivial compared to the cosmic horrors you've glimpsed. As I stepped out of the high-stakes room, the casino disintegrated into stardust behind me, depositing me back into the Vegas night. I looked around. The people, the lights, the casinos, all appeared so trivial now. I walked away, haunted and enlightened, forever carrying a piece of Pluto's cosmic terror within me. I found myself walking the streets of Vegas, the city's neon glamour a stark contrast to the existential abyss I'd just escaped. My phone buzzed. It was a text from an old friend I couldn't remember ignoring. The memories I'd wagered and won back settled into me, but they felt distant, almost alien. I hailed a cab and told the driver to take me to the airport. As the cab maneuvered through the sea of lights and sin, I realized I couldn't go back to who I was before tonight, not after glimpsing the cosmic dread that lurked beyond our reality. The driver dropped me off, and I boarded a red-eye flight back to my hometown. As the plane took off, I gazed out of the window at the sprawling city below. Somewhere down there, another version of that otherworldly casino probably still existed, waiting for its next victim. But it could keep waiting. I wasn't the same gamble-hungry Eli anymore. When I got home, I felt a nagging emptiness, a void where my deepest fear used to be. I'd left it behind, somewhere in that cosmic casino on Pluto. But what I hadn't realized until now was that the entity had also left something within me, a sliver of its cosmic fear. I carried a piece of Pluto, a fragment of the celestial prison, embedded in my very being. I lay in bed, unable to sleep, pondering the night's horrors. 
Suddenly, my room's walls seemed to stretch into infinite darkness, as if beckoning me back to Pluto. With a shudder, I realized I was forever tied to that distant world and its ancient entities. In the silence of the night, I thought I heard the faintest whisper, a celestial murmur echoing across space and time. It was a reminder, a call, an invitation for the next gamble. I closed my eyes, knowing that although I'd escaped for now, I was forever bound to the cosmic horrors lurking in the abyss, waiting for their next opportunity to reclaim what was lost. Sleep was the last thing I wanted, but exhaustion had other ideas. The world stretched and folded around me like reality itself was melting. When I finally opened my eyes, I was standing on a barren, icy wasteland. The icy surface cracked and shimmered under Pluto's dim sun, a horizon of death stretching infinitely. And then, rising from the ice like a monstrous spectre, the entity appeared, a formless nightmare, its body a swirling vortex of cosmic dread. It spoke, each word like a symphony of dissonant whispers. Eli Rothman, you've opened a door you cannot close. An abyss gazes within you, and you within it. I tried to speak, but my voice felt stolen. I was paralyzed, a captive audience to this cosmic horror. The entity continued, its voice morphing into an ever-changing cacophony of screams and whispers. You wear my mark now, a cosmic brand forever etched into your soul. This place, this isolation, this emptiness will become you. And you it. Do you feel the weight of existence, Eli? The eternal cold? That is but a fraction of the dread you've absorbed. The dice have been thrown, but the game is never over. I jolted awake, drenched in a cold sweat, my heart pounding against my ribcage like a frenzied drum. The room was pitch black, but the haunting words of the entity reverberated in my mind, filling the darkness with unseen terrors. I glanced at the alarm clock. It was 3.33 a.m., a mocking mirror of the numbers that had seemed so lucky in that accursed casino. Was it a coincidence or the universe's twisted sense of humor? I couldn't tell. I got up and walked to the kitchen, trembling. As I poured myself a glass of water, my reflection in the window morphed. For a split second, my eyes were not mine. They were voids of infinite blackness. I blinked, and it was gone. Just a trick of the light, or a whisper of the nightmare yet to come. I realized then that this was not over. I was marked, bound to a cosmic dread far beyond my understanding. The entity was not just a nightmare. It was a living, breathing fear, woven into the very fabric of my existence. I sat at my kitchen table, my hands shaking uncontrollably as I pondered my next steps. I needed to go back to Vegas. In that moment, I made a silent vow. I would face this terror. I would confront the entity. I would gamble once more, not for years or memories, but for something far more precious, my very soul. It was a high-stakes game, but I was all in.
as we sever the connection and send you drifting back to your present. We hope you haven't drifted too deep this time, as those that do tend to forever be lost in the Matrix. So go ahead, unplug, and return to your reality. But know this, today's fiction could be tomorrow's truth. Until we meet again, let the specters of future terrors haunt your daydreams and keep you wondering, what else could crawl out from the future abyss? The Nightmares from the Future podcast is produced by Digital Bros Creative Studios, LLC. The sound designer for this podcast is Christopher Pilone. Visit www.digitalbrosstudios.com forward slash podcasts to learn more. This podcast is copyright 2023 and no duplication or reproduction is permitted without the written consent of Digital Bros Creative Studios, LLC.